Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey, just want to say uh, good morning, everybody. Really glad that you're here. And before I get going, just a, a couple things I want to bring to your attention. Uh, the first thing I want to bring to your attention is actually a thank you. Uh, we have uh, hundreds of people that uh, selflessly serve, use their gifts and abilities to pull off what we do here every week. And uh, as we all know, uh, the flood too is happening outside. You know, in fact, we'll be building an ark after the service, can put animals in it uh, with all the rain. And so, I just want to say a special thank you to our parking team who is out there just getting soaked and drenched. And so, can we just give them a round of applause as they're out there, all that good stuff. And then the second thing uh, I, I want us to do together, as uh, we all know, today marks the the 21st anniversary of of 9/11. And this is, this is one of the darkest days in our country. We've had a lot of dark days in our country. Uh, but this is one of those days I think most of us can remember where we were uh, when this happened. And as we just kind of watched all this stuff go on in front of us and just wrestling with what does this mean and what is evil and uh, why is this happening and just all the things that have happened since then, I just felt it was really important for us uh, to just take time to pray for those who are just, I mean, this day marks in people that they lost, loved ones, uh, parents, all that stuff. And I thought it would just be really important for us as a church to take a moment and, uh, and just pray for this day. I, had, uh, I, had, I was talking with a couple pastor friends this week, and we were talking about this. And uh, one of them said, hey, I wrote out this prayer. What do you think? And he texted it over. And I just thought, man, this just sums it up so well. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this prayer, and this is going to be our prayer as, as we mark this day. So everybody bow their head, close their eyes. And uh, this is our prayer. Father, today we remember the terrorist attacks of September 11th, and we pray for your peace. We pray for those who carry profound grief each year on this day. And we pray for our leaders and country as they make important decisions every single day to keep us safe. May our suffering from these attacks awaken in us an awareness of the pain and fear that so many around the world live with each day that we don't even realize they live with. And may we know how to pray for those who struggle against oppression and injustice every single day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for doing that. I just want to encourage you just to continue to pray for, for our leaders and uh, who's ever in there because they're in there and we just want to pray, pray for them and that's what we're called to do as well. Well, one of the things that uh, I love about being a parent is learning to, to talk what I call teen language because every generation has their own language, if you notice that. I was doing uh, some research a couple months ago on just some common words that are used in this generation, and so it gave me a big, big list of things. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna share with you uh, some of the words that I found on that list, okay, and they're all clean, just in case you're wondering. Uh, some of the words I, I found on that list, and as I do that, here's what I want you to do. If, if you're a parent uh, of, of teens or you're around teens, don't do this, okay? Don't take this and then try to use it in a sentence, because then you're gonna 
to butcher it and you're going to look more uncool than we already are, okay? And then you're going to blame me for it and I'm going to look uncool, more uncool than I already am. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the word that stands out and then I want you to use it at work or at the gym in your neighborhood because you'll look cool to an adult, okay? They'll be like, man, that's lingo. I don't never heard that word before. All right, here, here's the first word. Bussin. How many of you heard of the word bussin? Yeah, bussin. Oh yeah, my kids say that all the time. Here's what bussin means. If you know what that means, when something is really good, something is really good. That side obviously thought that was really good, so that's good. Thank you. Uh, here, here's the next word, chugi. Chugi. I love this definition. Chugi is this, when something is very outdated or uncool. I imagine my kids watching from college right now going, that's my father in the chat room. That's my father. I could just see it going into the chat room right now. Uh, here's the third one, salty. Salty. Here's another great one. Here's what salty means. Being bitter or cranky. Now, guys, just a little relational advice, okay? Don't, when I said my assignment, don't try this on your wife or girlfriend, okay? Don't use that one with them. Bad idea. Uh, fourth one, drip. Drip. Here's what drip means. Where you like someone's style. I'll be honest, of all my years, I've never had someone use this word in the context towards me. I'll be honest, probably never will. And here's the last one, yeet. And this is a great definition. An emphatic yes, and then I love the or. Or throwing something. It's like, not sure how those fit together, but you know, that's kind of teen language. Well, today we are in week two of our series called The Great Disconnect, where we are talking about a common disconnect that many of us are feeling right now in our faith journey. And here's how we're describing it. We're saying that the disconnect is between the promised benefit and the actual result. You know, if we follow Jesus, there's certain, there's certain promises that, that we are, are invited to experience. For example, we're forgiven for, for all of our sins, uh, that we can experience God's presence in our life, that he's given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to live an abundant life, and that God has a plan and a purpose for every single life. However, that's not most of our experiences, is it? You know, for, for many of us, instead of feeling forgiven, we live with a deep sense of guilt and shame every single day in our life. Instead of God's presence, we, f we just wonder where God is, and many times we feel like he's absent in our life. And abundant life, come on, my life feels anything but abundant, and I still wrestle with what my purpose is. And so there is the disconnect. And so what we're doing through this series, the goal of the series, is to talk through some ways to close that gap because these promised benefits are real and we can really experience them. Last week, I talked about one of the things driving this, and there's more than one, okay, but I talked about one of the things driving this, and it actually kind of stood out to me in a quote that Andy Stanley, a pastor down in Georgia, that he said, and he wasn't even talking about this great disconnect, but it just really resonated with me. And here, here's what he said. He said, most of us have been told how to become a follower of Jesus. And we were told, I want you to pray this prayer and ask Jesus to be your savior so he can forgive you of your sins. And because of that, you will someday be in heaven. Now, I did that. Maybe many of you did that as well. And here's the thing, that's true. But for many of us, we've stopped here. And as a result, we've reduced Christianity to just believing and behaving. But I want you to notice the second part. But we're not sure how to be one. Because when you read through the biographies of Jesus, you'll see that the emphasis is very different. That the emphasis is not on escaping this world someday. And here's where the gap is. The emphasis is on participating in something in this world today. Now, last week, we, we began things by, by beginning at the beginning. So I use that word too many times. We started at the starting point, I believe, in closing that gap. And Jesus tells us what that is. And, and where he tells us what it is, is we looked at the initial invite that he gave to his disciples. Because that in invite wasn't just to them, it was to us as well. 
And it's found in two words, and here are the two words. Follow me. Follow me. And this is so simple and yet so challenging at the same time. In fact, if you're not a church person, you can even do this. And as we talked about this last week, we said there's so many layers to this invitation. And we pulled out two really important layers. And here's the first layer that we pulled out. We said the invitation to follow is an invitation to a relationship, which is where many of us struggle because we, we just default to rules. Just tell me what to do. It's a black and white. Just, just tell me what to do. And, and maybe you were told, you know, growing up, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls who do. And, you know, listen, that's great advice, all right? But the reality is, is that, you know, once again, we just kind of default to the rule, but we're not invited to follow rules. We're invited to follow a person. And then the second thing we pulled out was the invitation to follow is an invitation into a new story. That God, as I said earlier, is doing something in our world and he's invited us to be a part of it right now. In fact, our longing for purpose is only going to be fulfilled in that new story. So if you missed last week, we talked about a bunch of stuff to kick off this series. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel or download our podcast. Now, today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that because of the language I use might sound like my version of teen language to you. But what we talk about here is so critical if we are, in fact, it's essential if we are going to close that gap that we are talking about. And what we're going to talk about today is, is we're going to find the answer to this question. Who is it? that we are really following. Now, to get us there, I'm going to look at some passages that are commonly read during the Christmas season. And so I want you to think of this as Christmas in September. And the, the first passage that we're going to look at is actually the first time that Mary finds out that she is going to give birth. And an angel is letting her know about this whole thing. And so here's what the angel says to her. The angel says, "Is You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. So every time they heard that, they said his name. Oh, the Lord saves, the Lord saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him, and then I want you to notice the language used here in the highlighted words. Give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And then listen to this, his kingdom, it'll never end. And so the, the angel didn't say, hey, Mary, a religious leader is going to be born to you. He said a savior is going to be born to you. In fact, every time you say his name, you will be reminded of that. But he's more than just a savior. And I want you to notice the language, his kingdom. Who has a kingdom? A king does. And so the angel is saying, hey, Mary, God is going to birth a king through you. And this kingdom that he has will be unlike any other because it'll never cease to exist. Now, fast forward nine months, and Rome is in chaos. And Caesar Augustus, he wants to build up his tax base, and so he issues a decree uh, throughout the entire Roman, Roman territory. And as a part of that decree that he issues... Everybody has to go back to their hometown. Well, Joseph, who's now married to Mary, uh, he's from Bethlehem. And so he travels with his nine, nearly nine-month pregnant wife to Bethlehem, where eventually she gives birth to Jesus in a barn. Now, at the same time this is going on, some angels are visiting some shepherds, and they're just describing what is happening to them, or, or to happen to Mary and Joseph. And so here's the language that these angels use to the shepherds. They say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It'll cause great joy for all the people. So today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior. Now, he didn't use the name Jesus, but remember the name Jesus means the Lord saves. And so, you know, a Savior has been born to you. And then this is the part we don't often talk about at Christmas, but this is actually the most important part of the whole thing. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now that term Messiah is actually a Hebrew word that means God's chosen one, God's anointed one, God's king. So by saying the Messiah is coming, it's the angel's way of saying, hey, God's chosen one, God's final king has come. You see, this wasn't just a king that was appointed by priests or prophets, which that was they often commonly appointed back then. This is the king, because this king has been appointed by none other than God himself. Now, that term Messiah in the Greek, we translate it Christ. And so many of us think, you know, Christ is Jesus's last name, but it's not his last name. It's actually a title. So every time we say Jesus Christ, we're saying this, Jesus, the chosen one, Jesus, the king. And so here's what we see as we just read about the birth of Jesus. We see this about the story, that the birth of Jesus is the story of the birth of, not a king, the king, that God has sent, in, sent into the world. You know, this is why if you read the Christmas story or, you know, been to Christmas services and you, and you hear this, you see the shepherds and then later the magi. I mean, they're, they're in front of this child and they are bowing down to him like he's a king. They are worshiping him like he's a god. Well, last time, hit the fast forward button. And now we're going to fast forward 30 years into the future. Jesus begins his public ministry, and he is going to go public with his first message. Now, the first message, I think, is kind of a big deal because you're trying to draw a crowd and all, all that good stuff. So what do you think Jesus talked about in his first message? And most of us would think, well, he probably talked about love. You know, people love talking about love, uh, forgiveness, maybe talked about heaven, maybe talked about prayer. I mean, those are all good things just to kick things off. Jesus talked about none of those things. Jesus's first message and the first thing he talked about is the thing that he talked about the most because it is the most important for us to get. Here's Jesus's first message. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God. Now, if God sent Jesus as king, what does a king do? He sets up a kingdom. But he says this, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent. Hey, turn your life and trust it as a part of the whole thing. In other words, give your life to it. Turn your life into it. The kingdom of God has come near. In other words, the angel said, hey, God's kingdom is something not that we have to wait to experience when we die some, someday. The kingdom of God is available to us to experience now. You see, the purpose of Jesus wasn't to get us into heaven. The purpose of Jesus was to get heaven into us. The kingdom of God is near. Now, here's what's kind of interesting. Jesus, when you kind of read his, when you think about this whole kingdom language, you'll see that his, his teachings are laced with this kingdom language, which for us, we don't speak in that today. It's kind of like, you know, Jesus is speaking teen language to us. But here's what's interesting. We may not speak that way, but the idea of kingdom is so practical for how we think and live our lives. Because think about this. I have a kingdom. You have a kingdom. Do you know what your kingdom is? Your kingdom is where things go the way you want them to go. For example, you're, you're driving in your minivan, you know, and cool minivan, because when you have a minivan, you call it cool, even though we all know it's not cool, okay, but it's practical, but we call it cool. You're driving in your minivan, let's just say, and your kids are in the back seat. You're driving in your minivan, and one of the kids is reaching over and pestering their sibling. And the, the sibling that's being pestered says, mommy or daddy, Johnny keeps pinching me. 
What are they saying to you? Johnny keeps invading my kingdom. And then when you turned around and you told Johnny to knock it off, what were you saying? You were saying, keep your hands to your kingdom or I'm going to pull over this van and I'm going to go back there and I'm going to invade your kingdom. <laughs> now, the kingdom idea, think about this. The kingdom idea, when, when we get told, this is why we don't like being told what to do. Now, sometimes it's pride, okay? I mean, sometimes it is that, and a part of that is. But it's more than that. You see, when someone tells us what to do, they are invading our kingdom. And because your life equals your kingdom. Every time you vote, you are saying, this is how I want the kingdom of this country to go. Now, the question is, what did Jesus mean by the kingdom of God? Well, here's what he meant. The kingdom of God is where things go the way, not that we want them to go, but God wants them to go. Or as, as you've heard me say around here many times before, it's life as God intended it to be. That there is a way that God designed both us and our world to function. And it's living in such a way that that order is being restored. You see, this is, this is why when Jesus came teaching, he, didn't, he wasn't teaching about a bunch of rules. You see, everything Jesus taught, he was giving us and trying to give us a picture of what life in the kingdom of God was like because Jesus came to establish not a religion, he came to establish a kingdom. One of the words that has been commonly used through, throughout the centuries to describe the kingdom that Jesus was talking about is this word right here, backwards. Sometimes you'll hear people say, the backwards kingdom of God. Because back then and today, it is just so backwards to the way we think life should be lived in so many ways. I mean, think about some of the things that Jesus said. Love and pray for your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Hey, give to those in need and don't expect anything in return. The last, they should be first. Hey, see others as more important than you. If you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, then I want you to what? Serve. And for those who have wealth and resources and power, here's what I want you to do with those. Not, not leverage those for yourself. No, no, no. I want you to leverage those for those who don't have wealth and power. Everything he talked about was just so backwards to how we think. Now, most of us, because, you know, we, we, live in, we live in America or we grew up in church or things like that. You know, we are familiar with some or most of what Jesus said. And so they've lost what I call the what reaction. You know, it's kind of like you hear something and you go, what? What? Huh? Can you say that again? You didn't really mean that, did you? And because back then, when they heard Jesus talk about it, in the centuries to follow and they heard Jesus talk about it, they'd be like, what? No, 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 no. We don't have that reaction anymore because we don't realize just how much the teachings of Jesus has sh have shaped Western civilization as we know it. So I was trying to come up with an analogy that would put us in their shoes a bit so we would get the what reaction. And, and here's what I came up with, okay? Here's what I came up with. Most of you are, are Packer fans, all right? You're, you're diehard Packer fans. Now, there's some exceptions. There, there's some people who are staying close to Jesus like me who refuse to go there, okay? So most of you, I mean, you, you are diehard. I mean, you know, you're from here, or you, you know, you, you grew up here, you came back here, or, you know, you moved here, and they brainwashed you with all that stuff, and you couldn't resist, 
And so your, your Dyer Pack friends, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, today's like opening, opening day. I mean, you know, you got the, you're going to have your cheese hats on later, you know, and those are ridiculous. Let's just be honest, okay? I don't care what anyone says. There, you're going to have the jersey on, uh, you know, you, the Go Pack Go cheer, which when you're at Lambeau Field, oh, gosh, I just, I just want to hide every time I hear that, okay? And it's a religious experience for you every time the Packers are on. Here's what, here's what they heard back then, okay? Here's what it would like to be Jesus today. This would be like me standing up in front of everybody and go, okay, everybody, listen, if you want to be made right with God, you have to become a Bears fan. You'd be like, what? What is he talking about? Yeah, you have to become a Bears fan. In fact, if you want to know what God wants you to do, listen to the teachings of Mike, Mike Ditka. And you have to sing the ridiculous Super Bowl shuffle every single day. You know, here, here's the other thing that you need to know, that the team that you have given yourself to, that you have been following all your life, is actually the wrong team. The right team, God's team, if you want to go to heaven, is the Chicago Bears. Now, if I just said, and I preached that, and I went to Green Bay and preached that and all this stuff, people go, what? Are you kidding me? What are you talking? No, get this guy out of here. He's nuts. That's how people responded to Jesus back then. They just, it was so backwards because it, it was so different how they lived their lives and how they thought that they should live their lives. And they, so different from how they thought God was like. But do you know what else was backwards about the whole thing? Not just the kingdom, but the king who ushered in this kingdom. You see, because back then, emperors and kings, what they would do is they would do everything they could to maintain and accumulate power. So they'd build up armies and they would wipe out enemies and they would wipe out surrounding people because they were about building up their empire. And, and as a part of that, they would lead with fear. It was power up. It was people served the king. However, this king came and he did everything the opposite of everybody else. For example, he washed the feet of his disciples and he healed rich and poor people alike. And he gave value to women and children in a day where women and children had no value. And then he did what no king would do. He didn't ask his followers to give their lives for him. He instead gave his life for them. And in doing so, he modeled the reality of this kingdom in his life and his death and his resurrection. You see, Jesus was God's ultimate king who came to bring his ultimate kingdom to earth. So let's go back to the question. Who is it that we are following? Here's our answer. We are following the king who has invited us to experience life not someday in the future. Experience life right now in his backwards kingdom. So as I've been talking about throughout this series, I've, I'm talking about that the goal is to just close that gap through, through the disconnect that many of us feel in our faith journey right now. And this topic that, that we're talking about right here, I mean, this is a critical, essential part of that whole thing, seeing Jesus as king in our life and what that means for our life. And so here's what I want to do with the, the, the few minutes I have left. I want to challenge you to wrestle through two questions. And if there's no wrestling with these questions, that, that says a lot in itself because these are really, really challenging questions because this is a very, very challenging concept for many of us. And so I'm going to give you two questions. And uh, like I said, I just hope that you wrestle with these things and are honest with God and yourself about where you are with these questions. Here, here's the first question I want you to wrestle with. Well, what kingdom are you living for? 
Now, here's the thing. You already have an answer to this. And there's really two main answers, okay? I mean, there's more than two, but there's two main answers. The first answer is my kingdom. And my kingdom, the things of my kingdom, they, the, the values and the goals and, and the virtues are driven by what I determined I want them to be. That these are the things that I believe are best for me. I mean, think about some of the things that are so popular in our culture right now. Look at this. You do whatever you want to be happy. Follow your heart. Hey, it's your life. Do whatever you want. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do with your life. Uh, when I graduated from college, one of my goals was to work for a Fortune 100 company. And thankfully, I was, I was able to achieve that goal. And it was a week before I was to start my job, and I'm really excited and all that stuff. And so I sat down at a desk, and I decided to write out my five-year goals. And so my five-year goals included things like uh, how much money I, I wanted to make, what kind of house I wanted to live in, what kind of car uh, I wanted to drive, and then what my position would be in that Fortune 100 company, which I, I had said I was going to be a VP in five years. A little ambitious, I know, but, you know, I didn't know any better. Now, here's the thing. As I say that, hear me on this. It is not a bad thing to want to be the best at something to want to achieve greatness, to be successful at something. In fact, if done right, I think that honors God. But please know that my goals weren't about me, weren't about anything to do with God. They were all about me building my kingdom. In fact, uh, my whole idea was, hey, I'm going to build my kingdom. And God, I just want you to come along, along for the ride to help me build my kingdom. And here's what was interesting about what I discovered. As I started achieving some of those goals, here's what I discovered. I had never felt more empty and unfulfilled than at that time in my life. You see, we live in a world where almost everyone, and this isn't out there, this is right in here as well, this is church, unchurched, it doesn't matter, where almost everyone is trying to build their kingdom. And do you know what this is getting us? Violence, betrayal, brokenness, divorce, cynicism, fear, suicide, and you can just keep going. How is that working for us? Listen, as long as we try to build our kingdom, there will always be a disconnect because we will always be trying to take God's seat on his throne, and that never works. But Jesus, he comes along, and he invites us into a better, more fulfilling, more impactful option, the kingdom of God. Life as God intended it to be. Now, the challenge with that is, is life as God intended it to be isn't the life that we are currently living. And so there's a tough transition that needs to take place. You know, this is why if you've been around here any period of time, you, you've heard me say this before, and I feel like I need to say it again because it really fits what we're talking about, that following Jesus is not the easiest way to live. And if they tell you, if someone tell you it is, <laughs> they ain't really following okay? It's not easy because it's backwards at first. We're not used to some of the things. There's tension attached. But it is by far, by far the best way to live. You want your best life now. Listen, ditch your kingdom and you start following the kingdom of God and you will experience the best life you could ever experience. We experience it in the kingdom of God. Second question, will you follow Jesus as king? Will you follow Jesus? And here's what it means to do this. He requires from us 
the same thing that any earthly kingdom back then would require. And here are the two things that they would require. Allegiance and obedience. Here's what allegiance is. I'm in with that king. I'm aligning my life with him. And obedience, we all know what obedience is, but let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. For most of us, obedience is optional. It's like, I like that, I don't like that, and I'm going to do what I like and not do what, what I don't like. But here, here's what obedience is. Obedience is I pre-decide that I'm going to do whatever he says because he is my king. You know, for some of you, as you've been experiencing this disconnect, probably in the middle of this disconnect, there are some wrestling that you're doing right now with whether to obey or follow Jesus in an area of your life. Maybe it's relationally speaking. Maybe it's in your dating life. And you know, what does it mean to honor God in your dating life? Maybe it's in your marriage. And what, you haven't really been honoring your spouse and your family and your marriage. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's just financially. And you kind of look at your finances, to be honest, it's all about kind of, you know, building your kingdom. And then, you know, I have anything for God's kingdom that may become later or whatever that may be. You know, for some of you, it's using your gifts and abilities. And what are you using your gifts and abilities for? Well, I'm using them to build my kingdom. Okay. And God's just kind of tugging you to use your gifts and abilities to build his kingdom. Or maybe it's sexually for you. What, what does it mean to honor God sexually in your life? Now, listen, if you're wrestling and struggling with that, that's actually a very good thing because that's part of the journey. What you're doing is you're trying to look at what does my life mean through the lens of his kingdom because Jesus is my king. And here's what I just want you to know. Listen, it's okay to obey. Not just because that rhymes, and I thought that was really good as I threw that out there. Not just because, that not just because it's okay to obey because the king that you follow he gave himself for you, which means he's for you. How many of you have messed around with virtual reality? How many have messed around with anything with virtual reality? Yeah, just one of you. Uh, <laughs> this would be a great example. Well, I, I, about a year ago, I was at this event, and they had this virtual reality station. Okay, I'm like, oh, I never really you know, messed around with this, but I've always wanted to. And so I go to this virtual reality station. I sit in like this, this big chair and I, I put on the headset. And as I put on the headset, I, I'm immediately on, on top of this big skyscraper and I'm jumping from skyscraper to skyscraper. And my feet in this, in this whole thing, they're hanging out over the ledge of whatever I'm on. I don't even know what I was flying on at the time, but they're, they're over and there's like nothing on the sides of me and all that stuff. And I keep, and I'm afraid of heights, all right? And I keep telling myself, this is not real. This is not real. But the more I told myself it wasn't, wasn't real, it sure felt real to me. And so I'm kind of bouncing from place to face and I'm just kind of holding onto the seat like this. I'm shaking it, you know, and I'm shaking it. And uh, I'm like, come on, come on. And I'm starting to get that feeling in my stomach. And I'm just jumping and jumping and jumping. And I'm right about to puke when I just flip the headset off. I go, I'm done. And I walk away. And the guy who's running kind of goes like, <laughs> you lasted longer than I thought. And it was just, it was just incredible. It was just, it was just so real. Well, a couple months after that, my son Josh had, had a friend over and uh, he, he had, they, they had some headsets and they were doing some headsets. And all of a sudden, before you know, we're in this room and uh, we're having lightsaber fights with Darth Vader, which was kind of cool, you know, even though we were getting crushed and cut in half and all that stuff. But it was just really cool because we're just in there and we're kind of doing this and all that stuff. And it just felt so real. I mean, you put on those headsets, you put on those headsets. I mean, you feel like you're living in a different reality. Jesus just didn't come to be our savior. He's more than that. He came to be our king who's establishing a kingdom. And when we follow him as king, 
we're not stepping into following a bunch of rules. We're stepping into life as God intended it to be. And sure, there's going to be a tension attached to it. And that tension isn't going to go away because there'll be some wrestling there. But that tension is actually a good thing. We've become so conditioned to living life in our kingdom that that, that tension is just all apart to live in life, life in his. And the more you do it, the more you will discover that there is a reality that we have yet to experience. Listen, do you want to make a difference with your life? If you want to make a difference in this world, then participate in something that's not of this world. You see, the people, as you look through history, the disciples included, as you look through history, the people that were really willing to step in and understand this idea that it's really about experiencing life in the kingdom of the God, kingdom of God, they are the people that God used. They are the people that, that helped shape Western civilization as we know it, and they are the people that God used to speak into the chaos and craziness of culture and bring hope to it. And if there's ever a time where that is needed around us, it is right now. So, is Jesus your king? Is he your king? Would you be willing to step into that kingdom? Because I'm telling you, he's inviting you. He won't force you to do it. And if you do, I am telling you, you will experience the life both you long for and that God longs for you. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us, but as a part of that prayer time, I'm going to just throw out some questions. And I just want you, wherever you are in this, I want you to just kind of spend some time just being honest with God where you are. So let, let me pray for us. Father, um, this idea of kingdom, it's just not language that we use that much. But God, um, we think this way. We live our lives this way. And so, Father, I, I just pray you would help us to wrestle with this. Let me ask everybody, be honest with God, what kingdom are you really living for right now? Which one? Just be honest with God about it. And would you have the courage if the answer is my kingdom? And here's the thing. It's okay that that's the answer. That's the starting point. Would you be willing to take steps and let Jesus be, be your king? Just tell God where, where you are with that and where you're wrestling with that. Father, I know you're doing some work in our lives and in our hearts as we think about life as you intended it to be. God, uh, it's a struggle. It feels backwards. It feels strange. But the more we step into it, the more we realize, first off, it's, it's life as, as we desire, not just you desire, but we also discover most of all that you are a king that we can align our lives with, that you are a king that we can trust even when it doesn't make sense. So Father, may, may we draw that line in the sand because God, we, we don't want to experience that disconnect anymore. We want to close that gap. You have so much for us. And we live in such a time as this where your people need to be willing to step up and step in and live for a kingdom that's greater than our own. So Father, help us to do that. Help us to wrestle with that. Thank you, God, just for just the vision of life in the kingdom so much better than any vision we could ever craft for our own lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.